This is the Transportation Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration only on MarketScale. Just to try to reduce crashes and keep traffic moving smoothly, they're going to want a computer behind the wheel rather than a human. If problems mean more money spent on transportation, it can hurt your bottom line. Welcome to Market Scale Transportation. I'm your host, Sean Heath. As technology unavoidably improves and evolves, we come up with all of these great ways to, to make things and new things to make and new things to want. But until someone perfects the skill or the science of teleportation, we're still faced with the very simple reality of needing to transport an item from point A to point B or point C or point M or however far you have to go down the line. That's not a simple problem, but it's not the end of the world either. Today I get to talk to someone who spends pretty much his every waking hour figuring out the best way, the most efficient way to get something from point A to wherever. And that is Adam Robinson. He's the marketing manager for Saracis. Adam, how are you today? I'm doing well, Sean. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. Now, before we get started, no one's perfected teleportation recently, then, and I just didn't hear about it, right? Well, you know, I do have a small project here in my closet at home. I'm waiting on some uh, venture capitalism funds to come in. Um, I sent that out, direct mail piece, to a, to a small list, and hopefully we find some funding soon. But nope, not quite yet, Sean. Well, until we get there, let's go ahead and keep shipping things on the ground or in a, in the air or over the sea. or one of, There are so many different ways to transport items across just the continental United States. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you see on a daily basis because uh, rates and trends change constantly, probably on, what, a weekly basis? I don't even know what the lifespan is <laughs> for the scale up and down. Uh, so do me a favor. Talk to me just a little bit about some of the things that you saw, maybe a brief look back to 2018 and mm-hmm. where we stand here in the first month of 2019. Yeah. Well, you know, a shipper has a lot to do. I often talk to our customers and shippers and practitioners, and I have the saying that I'm really glad that I don't actually have to be a logistics or transportation manager. Uh, It sounds like a really tough job. So let's let's take a 30,000-foot view of their job for a second. Uh, One, uh, their bosses look at anything they spend a lot like the electricity bill, right? Where, you know, gosh darn it, I know I need this, but I'm so tired of spending money towards it. And so, you know, instantly the transportation manager or logistics manager has this sense of, I've got to do more with less and my job is to do this as cheaply as possible. But guess what? They have to then, in order to get the cheapest price, be able to reach out to a broad base of carriers to ship their freight. They have to understand if maybe this package and this thing I'm shipping is better for less than truckload or, uh, Is it cheaper if I get a whole full truckload of this commodity I'm shipping? Should I do it by small package, also known as parcel? Or what about ocean containers? Are we importing our goods? Or how do I receive this inbound shipment from a supplier so my manufacturing uh, manager gets his materials on time to manufacture our product uh, at the deadline that we told the customer we'd get it out to them? 
And the transportation and logistics manager is at the center of all of those needs and all of that chaos. And that's a tough job to have. And beyond just managing all of that in and of itself, what these folks experienced in 2018 is what not just I, but really all of the experts in the industry say was one of the most impactful capacity crunches that we have seen in the history of shipping. So let's talk about what is a capacity crunch. Uh, those in the industry are going to know that essentially a capacity crunch means that there's not enough space or trucks available to get your freight picked up reliably at a great cost so it's delivered to your customer on time. And so it forced a lot of shippers to go, oh my goodness, I need to figure out a way to have better visibility into the carriers and the different transportation modes that I need uh, you know, in my portfolio. So they're turning more to transportation management systems. As these rates increase because they're, it's just simple economic supply and demand, there's a huge demand there's not enough supply, they have to go back to their boss and say, hey, boss, looks like I'm going to have to spend more money. And then the boss tasks them with, well, negotiate better rates. And so that reality of the capacity crunch of 2018, uh, in combination with a strong economy, in combination with what is known as a driver shortage, and having to make sure that your freight is attractive enough so that they, those carriers pick up your freight and don't miss it and you don't lose a customer because you told them that you would get their freight to them on time and you just didn't because of your poor practices, that made 2018 quite challenging. And a lot of those things are going to continue into 2019. So uh, that's the, uh, you know, the 30,000 foot level of 2018. And for 2019, really shippers should start you know, continuing to look at how can they take out inefficiencies from the way that they manage all of their transportation uh, and start looking at solutions such as a transportation management system or going to an outside third party like us at Saracis who can take some of those burdens off their hand because we've been there and we've seen that. Yeah, one thing you absolutely do not want to do as a shipper is you do not want to think, oh, well, you know, it'll all just work itself out. The market will stabilize. Everything will equalize. That could be one of the most harmful and ridiculous decisions that any company could ever make. Talk to me about the challenges, because I know you've gone through some challenges where inactive is not the way to go. No, that's right. You know, and... There's this 8 billion pound gorilla out there called Amazon, and it's coming for oh, you. Oh, really? Yeah. Not familiar with yeah. them. Yeah. So why did Amazon become so successful? They hit two things really well. They were able to get you your products quickly and consistently at a great price. They figured out how to make the entire country believe that we are owed our packages in just a few hours. Why? Because they actually did it. They told the marketplace, they told everyone in the world that this is possible. And then that forced all of the rest of us, all the other shippers to say, my goodness, I have to keep up with that expectation. Why? Well, here's the reality, okay? So let's look at the mattress sector for a second. We look at mattress firm, huge player, has had about 300 stores. And then you had these online upstarts called Purple or Casper or Lisa. There's a number of them out there. What did they do? Instead of buying property or paying rent at a brick and mortar location, they built brand awareness uh, of their brand. They started selling them and they were able to take that Amazon effect to their advantage and deliver these bulky items by setting up 
you know, different transportation modes and setting up systems that allowed them to see those carriers available to transport mattresses. They then set up with last mile carriers, which is probably one of the largest movements we'll see in 2019, where manufacturers like those man mattress manufacturers will go direct to consumer. They'll no longer have a retailer, just have it sit in a showroom so people can lay on the beds and pick it up there. They'll simply just deliver it right to your house. And consumers will be okay with that because Amazon has laid that groundwork. What was the result for Mattress Firm? They're out of business. They've closed all their stores. Funny thing is, Casper's about to open up their own brick and mortar stores. They essentially subsidized um, their future brick and mortar stores by clobbering and mastering good shipping practices to their customers by putting Mattress Firm out of business allows now uh, Casper to extend that brand into brick and mortar and really make those stores all about that customer experience. And so it's real. Companies could go out of business if they don't master logistics, not just from a customer experience standpoint so that those customers feel very confident in those delivery times and confident that they'll get their product intact and on time, but also confident these shippers have to be confident about lowering their costs because just like those electricity costs if you can lower those it makes your bottom line much healthier you have a stronger ebitda but if those costs rise unexpectedly and you didn't do everything you could to prepare for any peak season any market forces by getting all the inefficiencies out and applying technology or maybe outside help it could make you unprofitable and also shutter your business. So that's a double whammy that shippers truly have to face with reality. I want to go back for a moment to something you said about Amazon when they said that this was a possibility. Is the way that Amazon changed the game, was that really a possibility or did they force that into reality just by the size of the uh, the amount of business that they were able to push? Yeah, um, I think it was an economies of scale um, but they also worked at it for 20 years. They're not some overnight upstart, right? <laughs> I mean, the company was started in 1998, and their core mission was customer experience. They were obsessed with making sure that the customer was able to see available products, and they iteratively worked at it. They said, let's apply technology, let's have sound fundamental processes, and oh yeah, let's fund this initiative. Fortunately, unlike some companies, they got the runway of being able to be unprofitable for, I think, the first 17 years of their existence. That helped. They then got really lucky with AWS, and AWS essentially subsidizes their investments in stronger supply chains and stronger logistics. So whatever you're doing as a company, you may not be able to get the long runway of being unprofitable for 18 years that Amazon had. You may not get a side business like an AWS that's really profitable and subsidizes your retail e-commerce experience. But what you can do is you can start acting. You can start investing in your supply chain, investing in talent. And it may be an investment that's worth more than any marketing or sales team investment. And in fact, I would argue that when you're as obsessed with Amazon on customer experience as you are in getting new sales or you know getting a viral hit on YouTube, you're going to win out more than anyone else long-term, and you're going to have very happy customers. Amazon didn't do a lot of marketing, to be honest. They do now, but they were really effective at getting those customers to turn into their best marketers and their best salespeople. Just about every person I know has more than one job. 
you know, you have your main job and then you have your side hustle. Um, Having uh, AWS as your side hustle seems to be incredibly successful for Amazon. How lucky for them. Um, Let's talk just briefly uh, for the last question today. I want to give you enough time to expand on this. The technologies that are starting to come online and the lessons that are being learned to apply those technologies, what are a couple of approaches that you think are absolute must-haves technologically moving forward in this year? What is something that would be a ridiculous mistake to miss out on? Yeah, I think the adoption rates of transportation management systems have hovered at around 35% for a decade. And there's a guy out there named Adrian Gonzalez. He runs a blog, a website, and a video series called Talking Logistics. And I remember him doing a post last fall where he once again, you know, brings out and kind of talks about what do you, what do I think the next year is going to be about? And I think for like the sixth or seventh year in a row, he said transportation management systems. And he said, you know what, guys, I really don't want that to be it. He goes, but the reason I keep saying it is because there's still a very low adoption rate. And I get that, you know, uh, some of these industrial manufacturers, maybe they've relied on a wholesale distributor or retailer as their main marketing engine, or they've relied on those to pay their freight costs. And that's going away when you're going direct to consumer, you're responsible for that now. And so it wasn't as complex. And, and, and as it becomes more complex, I would think that the, the most, the number one thing that most shippers can do is to start using a transportation management system. That transportation management system really needs to be cloud-based. It needs to be web-based. It needs to be able to integrate into other supply chain systems. Um, And it's super important that you make that a goal-based conversation. What are we trying to achieve? What are our, you know, transportation modes that we're using? What are some of the things we're trying to do in opening up new sales channels, whether that's going and putting a shopping cart on your website for the first time or you know no longer having the retailer get your products to customers but going direct to them do you have a last mile carrier and white glove options available to you in that transportation management system can you compare in real time the rates of less than truckload full truckload and parcel so you make sure you're choosing the best mode of transportation for that freight Uh, And then after implementing those simple execution systems, which most transportation management systems are, you can start, you know, really getting your company culture changing towards using technology to make you more efficient. And after that comes things like a warehouse management system, or maybe eventually as that transportation management system provider develops, they may put in machine learning and algorithms or, or artificial intelligence that starts opti- you know, optimizing your loads. So, you, so you, you don't have to think about that, that your, your history and your data are all put together and it's starting to pick the most optimal mode for that specific freight shipment for that specific lane. And finally, a lot of these transportation management systems, what they're good at and what is hard for you to do manually through Excel or through email um, is that they collect data. And they give you a lot of good analytical uh, points to look at, such as how your carriers are performing. You know, imagine you're a frequent traveler on airlines. You may go to something like an Expedia. And what's great about Expedia and why it's so successful is you put in where you're starting at an airport and where you're going. And then it gives you a bunch of different airlines with a bunch of different rates at a bunch of different times. That's essentially what a transportation management system does. Now, imagine if Expedia offered you an analytics report. 
And it captured data such as that specific airline's ability to be on time, to not lose your baggage, um, how many fees they've added to that specific flight. And you were able to maybe log into Expedia and look at the performance of each airline. So that way, the next time you flew, you would have a much more intelligent thought process in choosing the carrier for that flight based on your history. Um, so that's what a transportation management system can do for carriers. So that way you're using a carrier that picks up your freight on time, doesn't damage it at a great price. Adam, it's always a pleasure to get to talk to you. I can't believe it's been almost three months since the last time we chatted. How about if we, you know, cut that time in half at least? <laughs> well, I always love having a conversation with you, Sean, so you got it. Well, thanks so much today. It's been my pleasure to have a conversation with Adam Robinson. He's the marketing manager for Saracis. Adam, thanks so much, my friend. I really appreciate it as always. Have a wonderful day. I look forward to talking to you soon. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries. 